said, turn with me please in John chapter 8, one verse of scripture if I may, verse 32. John 8, 32, a very familiar portion of God's word. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want to talk about a subject entitled simply, Give Me Liberty. On July the 4th of 1776, uh, the Second Continental Congress declared the 13 original colonies free and independent from uh, Great Britain. I want you to know, as far as I know, uh, the Declaration of Independence is the only major document of the United States that mentions the name of God in it. He's referred to as nature's God, the creator, or the supreme judge of the world. When our forefathers founded this country and built it, uh, they wanted to make sure that we all knew that God's hand was in the affairs of the formation of this nation, and his hand is also in the continuation of this nation as we know of it today. With that being said, but far more important than the political freedom that anybody can have is the spiritual freedom and the liberty that Jesus Christ uh, will give to people that are bound up in sin. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus was speaking these words to a group of religious leaders uh, at this particular time, and they said, we have never been in bondage to any man. Why do you talk to us about freedom? Freedom. But while Jesus was talking to them about freedom, uh, they were in bondage, if you will, uh, to Rome. Uh, Palestine was a, uh, a police state. Uh, Roman soldiers were camped out around about it everywhere. And at that very time, uh, the Jews were paying taxes and tolls uh, to uh, Rome at that particular time. The masses of people wanted Jesus Christ to set them free from political tyranny, uh, but they did not want to be set free from sin. As a matter of fact, after Jesus Christ fed the 5,000 people, there were a group of people that wanted to make him king right then and right there. We also know that even the disciples, the disciples wanted Jesus to march into Jerusalem and he wanted them to overcome the Roman government and set up a Jewish kingdom uh, right then and right there. The people wanted political liberty, but they did not want or nor did they recognize the spiritual freedom and the spiritual liberty that Jesus Christ wanted to give them and that he could offer to them but they simply did not want it at all. Even after Jesus Christ rose from the grave uh, we, they were still looking for a political uh, revolution. Remember Jesus met the two men on the road to Emmaus and they said we, but we trust that it had been he which should have set Israel free. Brothers and sisters political bondage is terrible and we need to pray for the nations of this world that do not have the political freedoms that we have in America. Sad to say, we're losing many of our rights on a day-by-day -day basis in America today. Uh, we gain some ground, we lose some. We gain, we lose. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, the battle continues to rage. But what value is there in political liberty if we're still in bondage to sin? May I say it again? What good is political liberty if we're still in bondage uh, to sin? And that's the kind of bondage that Jesus was talking about uh, when he said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus saw a group of people enslaved by sin. He saw a group of people enslaved by religion. They had no hope, they had no peace, and they had no joy whatsoever. But Jesus came to this earth to give humanity spiritual liberty, to set us free from fear and from selfishness, and also set us free from sin itself. But the chains of sin are forged silently, and they're forged uh, 
die slowly while men think that they are living uh, in liberty. The prodigal son went to a faraway country, far away from home, thinking uh, that he was in freedom. But day after day, he was burying himself more and more into bondage and into sin itself. I remind you this morning, this is one of the deceitful things about sin. It promises freedom, but it leads you further and further and further into slavery and into bondage. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. And sin will keep you longer than you intended to stay. And the chains of sin cannot be broken in your own strength. The chains of sin in my life cannot be broken in my own strength. It takes someone much greater and someone much more powerful. And his name is Jesus Christ the Lord. The battle in the world today is between truth and between lies. And Jesus said, the truth, I've come to be the truth. He said, I am the truth. And he also said that the devil is a liar. Satan enslaves people by lies, but Jesus sets us free by truth. We recall that Saul of Tarsus was a man who thought he was free, but he was bound by sin and bound by religion. But Jesus revealed himself to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He was born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And now Saul the persecutor became Paul the one that was being persecuted. Saul the one of Tarsus now became Paul the preacher, Paul the missionary, and Paul the evangelist. And you know what Paul said? But we preach Christ crucified under the Jewish stumbling block and unto the Greeks' foolishness. I remind you, if you want to be set free, it's Jesus Christ that will do it. It will not be religion. It will not be some ism. It will not be some works. It will not be psychiatry or sociology. It will not be some health book somewhere. It's Jesus Christ, the Lord, who hath come to set the captive free. We preach Christ. Any other message is vanity. Many pulpits around the world in America uh, they have been full with philosophy and logic and metaphysics and psychology and some type of ism. But the church, however, that hears the birth of the cry of newborn babes uh, around the altar today are the churches that are preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified, uh, where the pulpit is ablaze uh, with the power of the living God. I remind you this morning, <coughs> Paul said, we preach Christ we preach not ourselves, uh, but Jesus Christ. It stands to reason that, though that those that preach Jesus uh, should know the material and know him very well. Friend, it's not enough for us to have a knowledge about Jesus Christ. We need a knowledge of Jesus Christ. The world is full of people that knows about his death, about his burial, about his resurrection, about his ascension. But if they've not met him, they wouldn't know him. If they bumped him to him on the parking lot outside the church door. Uh, Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in uh, the fellowship of his suffering. In the early days of Pentecost, <coughs> the men who kindled the fire behind the pulpit and the men who set the world on fire, the blaze of God's glory, were men who knew Jesus Christ. Uh, they were not the most uh, educated men of that day. They could not tell you what homiletics was. They didn't know what hermeneutics was. And they didn't know what a three-point sermon was all about. But I'll tell you one thing they did. They got in their secret chamber and they prayed. Uh, they may have been alone when they 
they started, but they prayed to the glory of God came down upon them. They opened up the word of God and they read the red and, and they prayed for the power. And they went out everywhere they could go preaching the word of God. Uh, many of those old men were on the mountains of the Appalachian Mountains where I'm from. And they rode their horses through t- Tennessee and, and Kentucky and Virginia, West Virginia and other places. And sometimes it got so cold uh, that their feet were frozen in the stirrup on the horse and the beards were frozen to their face. But my God, when they thawed out, they could preach uh, because they had been with the Lord Jesus Christ of glory. May I remind you, the modern day church, we need to thaw out and get on fire for God and let the world know it's not a religion, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that can change lives for the glory of God. The motto of those early men was, we're ready to preach, we're ready to pray, we're ready to sing, and we're ready to die. No matter where we're at, what circumstance we're in, we're ready to give it all to God. They knew privation, they knew hardship, and they knew persecution. But one thing about it, they endured it all because they knew Jesus had set them free and offered the same message to a world lost into sin. Church, we preach Christ. The name that angels desire to look into. Who is Christ? The Christian science tell us that he was the way shower, a teacher, a leader. The Unitarians tell us that he was simply a man with a new message of universal brotherhood. Those who claim to be spiritualists think of him as a great teacher. Uh, many of the modernists, even in Orthodox churches, rob him of his supernatural power, and they tell us he was simply a good, well-abled rabbi. There are many people that, uh, that, that question uh, the fact and say he was the illegitimate son of Joseph and Mary. But who is he this morning? Friend, if they've got it right, we've got it wrong. Who is this Jesus? We preach him as the only begotten Son of God the Father, immaculately conceived, holy born, holy in life, separated from undefiled, uh, from sinners, full of grace and truth. We preach him as the way, uh, the truth, and the life. We preach him as a child born and as the Son given, whose name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We preach him as altogether lovely, the fairest among 10,000, the bright and the morning star, and the lily of the valley, the only savior and the great physician, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of the living God. I thank God the opener of the seals and the one who is coming to demonstrate to heaven and on earth and to hell itself. I am as he was alive and died and behold I am alive forevermore. We preach Jesus Christ as the only way to have peace with God. Let them quibble they, all they want about his message. Uh, let them, if you will, uh, call, talk about his so-called mistakes. Uh, talk about his erroneous ideas. Let others find fault with his birth and his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. But unreservedly, unequivocally, unashamedly, and unhesitatingly, we declare him to be the Son of God who has power over death, over hell, and over the grave. Uh, we look at death in the face and we tell the rider on the pale horse, we are not afraid of you. We may die, but you'll never keep us down. We serve the resurrection and the life and thank God today we know who we are and who it is that we belong to. His presence overshadows us through everything that we go through today. The fact remains, Jesus Christ was either who he said he was or he's the biggest imposter that ever walked the face of God's green earth. I say to you, who is this Christ? And I declare with Peter uh, when Jesus had said, who do men say that I the son of man am? I say you are Christ, the son of the living God. Case closed. Hallelujah. We preach Christ 
as the only way for sinful man to have peace with God. The Bible said, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. The fellowship between God and man was severed and broken because of sin. Sin separated from God. Fellowship and communion was separated from God and broken. Man is estranged from God because of sin. Man cannot have fellowship and man cannot have fellowship with God because of sin. Sin divides. Sin separates. God cannot stand to look upon sin. Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear but your iniquities has separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that you will not hear separation from God God hiding himself because of humanity because humanity is saturated with sin God refuses then and God refuses now to have fellowship with sin I hate to tell you but I've got to tell you if you're living in sin and you've not accepted the Lord you are separated from God's power separated from God sin but I'm here to tell you if you'll come and make things right with God you can walk out of this place as good as the rest and better than all the rest because sin will be ever gone out of your life and you can live a life glorifying the name of Jesus Christ the Lord I remind you today Isaiah said that separation from God but something had to be done that could bring a holy God and an unholy man back together again or else mankind would be in sin and would die standing before the judgment of God and forever be like in the lake of fire, separating from God forever and ever and ever. But I want to remind you of something today. Uh, when, the earth, when the earth began to tremble and heaven began to marvel and the foundation of hell began to shake, when the Son of God came upon this earth and said, I have come to do thy will, O God. And I remind you that his beard was plucked out from the side of his face. I remind you this morning uh, his bruised and mangled body. I remind you his nail-riven hands and feet. I remind you the side that was pierced and the the crown of thorns that went upon his brow. I remind you of all of that. And yet the Bible said they pierced him. And Isaiah said, just as many were appalled at you, my people, so his appearance was marred beyond that of any man and his form beyond the sons of mankind. So marred and so beaten was the body of Jesus Christ to look upon him did not look like a human being. But yet it pleased the Father uh, to bruise him on your behalf and mine. Uh, Jesus Christ carried it all. And yet to look upon him. He didn't look like a man. He looked like an animal that had gone uh, before the slaughtering house uh, prepared for that death. But Jesus today looks out today over a cursed generation uh, that's ravaged by sin and he simply says lift up your head and open up your heart and see me. He said I have bridged the gap uh, between a holy God and a sinful man. I have broken down the walls of separation. I have brought reconciliation to you uh, once again. He said the awful debt that you needed to pay. I paid in your praise. I paid with my blood. You can have peace with God today. And he says, if you will, I step onto my broken, bruised, and mingled body and walk across the gulf of repentance and look my father in the eyeball for he will accept you and you will be his beloved and you will have peace with God that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away from you. Just as many, the Bible said, that call upon him, he will in no wise cast out. And the Bible said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. And Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture.
Let the angels look into that. They don't understand it. I don't understand it, but thank God I've accepted it. Amen. And I rejoice in it. And I want to tell as many people as I can, there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And Jesus is the way maker, praise God, who can bring you the peace that you need today. We preach Christ. We preach Christ as the only source of peace in our hearts and upon this earth. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What is peace? A state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, quietness of mind and quietness of conscience. Friend, that's a big order to feel. In a war-torn, politically correct, messy, confused world of hatred, violence, abuse, death, and dying, can we have quietness of soul and freedom from worry? Jesus said that in Him you might have peace. Meditation will not bring it. Vacation will not bring it. Intoxication will not bring it. You might start feeling single and sin double, but it's not going to take care of the peace problem. This is a troubled world. Hearts are failing for fear. People are constantly seeking for ways out of the troubles, out of the problems, and out of the circumstances that bring pain and suffering. The ablest brains that we have in the world today are beating their brains against the wall of impossible solutions as we try to find and struggle a way out of our peace or lack of peace, stress-filled days. But the way out simple. Jesus said, in me you might have peace. Paul, the bondservant of Jesus Christ, whose life was as tempestuous as an angry sea, said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul refers to the gospel of peace. There's something heartfelt, something knowable, something feelable, something shoutable about the peace the Lord wants to give. Salvation, a peace that allows problems to roll off of us like water off a duck's back. A peace that God wants to give where you pill your head on the bosom of Jesus Christ just like a suckling child on the chest and breast of a mother. No other source, no other remedy. Only Christ can carry your weary, agitated, war-torn heart. I want to tell you what I have to do. On what you have to do, I tell you what I have to do. I've got to get off my potty pop, my, my, my pity pot, and get on the praise platform. Amen. In spite of it all, I Amen. worship you. I've got to get in this book every day, because if I don't, the world robs me and kicks me and beats me down. I've got to get in that prayer closet every day in my life and say, God, I need you to fill me up because the world's draining me. Amen. And I can't keep running around on empty. I've looked for people to fix me. I've looked for books to fix me. I've looked for friends to fix me. Anybody else? I'm just being honest. I'd love to go to the doctor and get me a pill to fix me. But I've got the gospel this morning. And I've got to learn to stand on the word of God and tell the devil who he is and where he needs to go. Now, preacher, you can't pray to the devil. Well, I can say scat to a cat and I'm not praying to it. And I believe we can rebuke the enemy of our soul. Sure. 
And we can pray heaven down and glory can fill our heart. It's time today, friend, we live this thing and let him say, God, you can break the depression. You can break the change. It may take a spell, but it'll go through, friend, if we but hold on to the things of God. We preach Christ as the absolute Lord and master over any and all circumstances. We preach Jesus as the victor. We preach Jesus as the conqueror. Not only do we stand and tell it, thank God we prove it by the way we live. If he's not able to master every problem, every circumstance, every trial and every test that Satan comes our way, Jesus is not worthy of our love or our consideration. May I chew that and spit out again? If Jesus Christ cannot help us overcome every trial, every test, every circumstance, and everything that Satan sends our way, he's not worthy of our love, he's not worthy of our consideration. Why do men like Peter and Paul and Polycarp and thousands of others, why were they willing to give their life for the cause of Christ when circumstances were running? Because they knew a better life was coming. Amen. It, they did it. It didn't matter whether they were crucified upside down like Peter. It didn't matter whether her head was severed on the chopping block in a Roman cell like Paul. It didn't matter whether they were burned alive at the flame, at the stake like Polycarp of old. They heard the shouts of praise and the shouts of victory because they were not moved by what they saw or felt. They were moved by what the Word of God said and they hung in there all the way. I have seen and experienced Jesus Christ deliver me from the power of sin. I have personally seen him provide money to me when I didn't not have it and I did not know where it was coming from. I have seen him heal bodies that were beyond the healing. I've seen God do things that would blow my mind. I've seen him save people that were meaner than a junkyard dog. I have seen him come and do things in the lives of people that would blow your mind. I'm going to tell you, I've seen the mercy of God at work in the lives of people. God can do anything if you're not getting out of the way and let him. He said to the nation of Israel, you have limited me, the Holy One of Israel. For God's sake, let's take the limits off of our God and let God be turned loose in the church. Let God be turned loose in your life and let God be turned loose in mine. I've shared this story, but some time ago when we were in this building program, I said, God, you've got a thousand ways to answer every prayer. And the Holy Spirit said, don't limit me. I said, God, I thought I was bragging on you. Don't limit me. We preach Christ as victor. Wherever Jesus is, there's victory. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Satan can overcome Jesus? Do you think Satan can lick Jesus? Then my friends, so long as he's in you and you're in him, the victory is here. Amen. You have it. Amen. Enjoy it. Live it. Proclaim it. And wake up in the morning rather than say, good Lord, it's morning. Wake up and say, good morning, Lord. Whether you feel like it or not. We preach Christ as the coming king over this world. Every grain of sand, every blade of grass, the stirring of every breeze, the lapping of every wave will bring glory and honor and dominion to our creator who made it, Jesus Christ. I know things look bad right now. The world is waiting for redemption and it's almost you can feel the trees just crying out for redemption. I see all the doctrines and all the isms and all the politics and all the media that make it sound like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And perhaps it is, but I'm not. Are you? One day John, the revelator, sat on the Isle of Patmos worrying about the fate of the church and worrying about basically the, what the adherence of the church would go through and God gave him a vision and here it is. And I saw heaven opened. 
And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he did judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but himself. He was clothed with a vesture of dipped in blood. And the name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us, my friend. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it should smite the nations. And he shall rule with him as a rod of iron, tread upon the winepress of his fierce and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on the thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them and had received the mark of the beast. And them that worshipped his image, they both were cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. My friends are here to this precious congregation of people. To any lost friend that may be here watching by way of internet this morning, I will remind you that one day every one of us will bow our knee before him and we will confess that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He will reign over this world. He will reign by right and he will reign by conquest. His coming is proclaimed by the earth, by the heavens, and by hell itself. As a songwriter penned the old Pentecostal song I grew up on in the Assemblies of God, Oh, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Yes, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Satan will be bound a thousand years. There'll be no tempter then. Oh, when our Lord is coming back to earth again. Amen. He's coming back. Are you ready? Can you honestly say this morning, it is with joy that I look toward the eastern sky. And I can say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly.